Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your great mercies and loving kindness to us. Lord, we acknowledge that holy, 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 you, the Lord God Almighty, uh, early in the morning we, we lift our voices and we open our lips to sing your praises and to give thanks to you. God, direct our thoughts and our attentions uh, to honor you this morning. May we show you the respect that we that you rightly deserve and that we may praise you and give thanks to you for your goodness and great mercies to us as your people. Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit this morning, that we may have ears to hear and eyes to see and understanding to comprehend the things that you would speak to us and that you would quicken our mortal bodies, Lord, that we might walk in a manner pleasing to you and be fruitful into every good work, that we may, as a result of being here and hearing your word this morning and singing your praises this morning, be directed and instructed in what it means to order our steps in accordance with your word, that it may be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord, as you direct us in accordance with the glory and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. It's your grace gift to us as your people. May we honor you and may we increase in knowledge of who you are as a result of looking into your word this morning. Break up the fallow ground of our hearts, Lord. Let us not be uh, stubborn and stiff-necked in regard to the truth that your word speaks to us, but make our hearts compliant and submissive to the authority of your word that we may honor the Lord Jesus Christ and give glory to you, our Heavenly Father. Let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify you, Lord. We pray these things in the name and for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's uh, great to have you in our services today. And for those of you that are online, we, we welcome you uh, to our service and to our time in, of worship and our time uh, to look into God's Word. Uh, so this morning I would like to uh, direct your thoughts to... It's not. Sorry. That's all right. Let me do that right quickly. So this morning, uh, as you can see, uh, the title for our sermon is Clan Identification. Uh, and it has to do with the, uh, the sign of circumcision that was given to Abraham and was a question in the minds of the Jewish believers that Paul addresses and in the minds in regard to the gospel, to the Roman believers that were there, in regard to uh, what is the procedure or what is the message of the gospel and how do we uh, know justification and what are the works that one needs to do in order to be justified before God. Um, and so 
I want to consider in, in these verses this morning from verse 9 to verse 12 the issue of circumcision uh, and what it means to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and how it applies to believers, uh, both Jew and Gentile believers. So if we may, I, I would like to read from chapter 4 verses 1 through 12. Um, and look at the issue of circumcision uh, this morning. And uh, remember that the overall uh, subject here, theme, is works in regard to salvation. Um, And so we're going to look at uh, circumcision and uh, it as related to uh, work and what is its place in our salvation as God's people. Um, So, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 4, Then what shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned or imputed to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works... His wage is not reckoned or imputed as a favor or as grace, but as what is due. But the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned righteousness apart from works. Is reckoned as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Beginning in verse 9 there in our passage for this morning. Is this blessing then upon the circumcision or the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was imputed to Abraham, was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it reckoned? Was he circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while uncircumcised, that he might be the father of, of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be reckoned to them. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. And let's look and consider Uh, clan identification, what it means for the sign of circumcision to be given to the the heirs, the offspring of Abraham, and how that factors in to the uh, Christian church today and how it factors into the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a number of questions that we might consider Uh, When and how does justification take place? If the justified live by faith, and this is the theme that the Apostle Paul is building, 
When does that take place and how does it take place? And are there works involved in it? Are there things that we do in order to enter into that covenant? Because in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, uh, God gave to Abraham a sign of the sign of circumcision that was the clan identification for the offspring of Abraham that was given a promise of the inheritance of the land, right? Because the Abrahamic covenant was a promise that there was an inheritance for these families of Abraham, this clan that that they would have. Uh, and be given an inheritance in the land that was promised to them through the covenant. Okay, So uh, the question then becomes, well, Jesus Christ was of the tribe of Judah. He was circumcised. He was, um, he was uh, of the offspring of David. Uh, he was under the law. And, um, and so is for the Christian church, should Gentiles be circumcised along with the Lord Jesus because he's the seed of Abraham, right? So we see these questions. Uh, and what was posed to the Jews is this, this blessing for Gentiles also. And what, is, what does this blessing mean uh, in regard to the Abrahamic covenant? And, uh, and what does, would, would circumcision have to do with in regard to both the Jews and the Gentiles. Remember, these two themes are going through these chapters, beginning in chapter 1, and actually going through the entire book. The Apostle Paul continues to deal with and address Jews and Gentiles in, as separate and distinct peoples, uh, and yet uh, being brought together and unified in the gospel of Jesus Christ and under the Abrahamic covenant and this, this concept of the faith, uh, the righteous shall live by faith. Old Testament and New Testament, this principle is taught here and the Apostle Paul teaches it. So is this more special revelation that is given only to the offspring of Abraham, to the, those that would have the inheritance of the land? Uh, and do we need to become Jewish are some of the questions that we would think of. Uh, do we need, uh, as bef- before Christ, uh, there was definitely this, this um, um, proselytization of Gentiles, and they became Jewish. They, they came under the law. Uh, and that was uh, how things were in the Old Testament. Now, Jesus was of the circumcision as the offspring of Abraham. So we know that much. Okay, How can Gentiles participate in the promised blessing to Abraham unless they are circumcised? That's a big question. That's a question that Paul wants to address in these verses. Now, there's four verses that we're looking at this morning, and the first two, 9 and 10, basically it says this, that the entrance into the blessing of the Abraham covenant is by faith, not by circumcision. That's, that's what Paul's answer is going to be. And then in verses 11 and 12, the second two verses, uh, he makes the point that Abraham was justified by faith long before he was circumcised. Okay, So this concept, this idea, is going to factor in to what the Apostle Paul has to teach and has to say about circumcision. Okay, So 
So that kind of lays out what we're looking at. Now, let me just say these things before we start. I want to go to Psalm 130, and it says in Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4, If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that you may be feared. And we find that in David's statement there in verses 7 and 8, that David is acknowledging, he's recognizing that, that God does not desire or require, and he says this in Psalm 51, that the, the blood of goats and rams, uh, but a, a broken and contrite heart. And he, he declares that, that blessed is are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. <clears throat> blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. So what we're seeing here is, is what we've studied about in regard to imputed righteousness, that God imputed in the Old Testament as well as the New, God imputed righteousness to David, and even though that he was a sinful man, because of David's faith and trust in God's provision, not in the, the shedding of blood of goats and rams, even though David was under the law and prescribed to the law and acted within the law, uh, and David acknowledged, I broke the law, and God forgives. If thou should mark iniquities, O God, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Now when we go to, uh, to where the Apostle Paul has taken us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the scripture says verse, in verse 21 there of, of chapter 3, now the, the, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So the righteousness of God is the same thing that we're talking about in what it means to be justified by faith before God. And, and he says, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there's no distinction, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So there's an acknowledgement here, the Apostle Paul, that the power of the gospel is God's righteousness, justification for the believer are the one who puts their trust in God's provision of imputed righteousness to them. In other words, an act of faith in believing what God has declared. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by the grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. When God displayed publicly as a propitiation in blood through faith, this was, and this is the point that I want to make, in, the, in verse 25 there, this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over sins previously committed. Now, when it's saying that in God's forbearance he passed over sins previously committed, he's saying that in the Old Testament, God delayed his wrath. He passed over wrath. Though the, the, the wrath for that sin was not justly paid for, God passed over it. And so we have the concept in the Old Testament of the Passover lamb which was demonstrated through the, the sacrifice of the lamb. Its throat was cut and its, its blood was shed and, and the, the lamb was offered up as a sacrifice. And it was a recognition <clears throat> that, that the wages of sin is death 
and that without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin because the just penalty for sin was death. And, God, and what Paul is saying is in the Old Testament, beginning with Abraham and, and beginning after Noah. Now what happened in the flood with, with Noah and the, the, the civilization there? The just penalty for their sins was, came down upon them. God judged the whole world, destroyed them all except for Noah. Because Noah found grace in God's eyes. And Abraham was given and law was given and God in His forbearance passed over sins all through the Old Testament. He simply in His patience passed over them. That's what David is saying in these verses. And then it says, for the demonstration I say of His righteousness at the present time in verse 26 that He might be just and the justifier of him who has faith in Jesus. So Paul is bringing the power of the gospel and the reality that faith in Christ's substitutionary atonement alone justifies. Okay? This is the point. That faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Now, there was the Passover lambs that were sacrificed in the forbearance of God, He passed over those sins in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the Lamb of God took away our sin. By His substitutionary atonement on the cross of Calvary, God was not only just, but He was the justifier of him who believes. This is the point that Paul is making. It's the the critical meat of what the gospel is. It's the message that we should speak. It's the praise that should be given to God that in His great mercy He has through the substitutionary zone being justified as a public display of a propitiation in His blood through faith in that sacrifice of the Lamb of God who took away our sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He separated our transgressions from us. Then the question becomes, well, what activity does the one who believes in Christ take at this point? Does one need to follow after Christ in circumcision under the Jewish laws and rules? And how does a Gentile live under the law uh, in this New Testament at this present day, in this present time. So here we are, and we want to look at the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is given to us in Genesis 12, 1 through 13. It's expressed in uh, 15 and 17, uh, and it's, it's passed on to the other fathers, to Isaac and Jacob, and down to the, uh, Israel and the 12 tribes, uh, and all the way through the history of Israel, the inheritance of Abraham were given the promise of the land. Abraham's inheritance. And then there were there are three aspects. There was the seed. Now the seed covenant uh, was fulfilled. Uh, okay, uh, if we can go to the next point. And the blessing, the land, seed, and blessing. There are three aspects of the covenant. First of all, the land was fulfilled in Israel's covenant, the land covenant given in Deuteronomy chapter 30. The seed covenant was fulfilled with David's covenant, the Davidic covenant, that there would be a Messiah who would come. He'd be the offspring of David, 
and that God would build his house, he would establish his kingdom through David. But then this third part is the blessing, the new covenant. And the new covenant is the blessing, and the blessing is what's being spoken of here in verse 9. Okay, so that's a long way to get there. But if you'll notice, and we talked about it last week, in verses 1 through 12, he addresses the blessing part of the Abrahamic covenant. In verses 13 through 16, he goes to the land and the inheritance part of the covenant. In verses 17 through almost the end of the chapter, he addresses the seed part of the covenant, okay? And how it relates to uh, the new covenant uh, that is in Jesus Christ. So, with that being said, look at verse 9. I want to look at verse 9. And it says, is this the blessing, is this blessing then upon the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? So what's the question? The question has to do with the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant. And so Paul is asking the question, is the blessing then upon the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised person also? For we say that Abraham was reckoned to that, that faith was reckoned to Abraham um, uh, as righteousness. So in other words, Abraham's faith or trust in God according to, <clears throat> to, um, uh, to, to um, let's see, where's my verse here? To Genesis 15, verse 6. Um, the blessing of Abraham was a gift before his circumcision. Abraham wasn't circumcised at this time. And in, in Genesis chapter um, 15 and verse 6, he was given this blessing, uh, and it was a gift before his circumcision. Paul's making the point here that the blessing of Abraham was a gift given before circumcision, and, and uh, that's going to relate to whether it, the blessing part of Abraham's covenant has to do with just his offspring, with just his inheritance, or with those who uh, enter into the blessing that was given to Abraham. So we find this verse <clears throat> that the blessing was given to all the families of the earth. Okay? To Abraham the promises were made and to his seed, which is Jesus Christ, but there's a statement in, uh, in Genesis uh, chapter 12 and verse 3 where, where God is initially introducing his promise of this giving of this gift to Abraham, which he did not deserve or earn or work for. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And this is this. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. There's the blessing part of Abraham. And the blessing part involves all the families of the earth and the Jewish people and those that, that knew Jewish law that were in the synagogues, the Gentiles that were there as well, would hear and understand what is being said here. The blessing had to do with that which, which God prescribed to Abraham and he said, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So this is a significant point and it's a point that Paul wants to make in regard to the Gentiles and to the makeup and the nature of the church under the new covenant 
which Jesus Christ offered up through the shedding of His blood. This is the new covenant which is in the shedding uh, of my blood uh, that was given in the Gospels before His crucifixion. And then there's a, a, a third point here. Let's see. The land was given to His descendants, but the blessing was given to all the families of the earth. Uh, and Paul is going to make the point there that faith, not circumcision, or faith plus circumcision is what justifies all of these families of the earth. Okay, so we're talking about all of these families, and and um, and Paul in Philippians chapter three, the apostle Paul says, uh, "Now to him who is able to." Do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Uh, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this idea of the, of the kingdom of God, the blessing of God coming through Abraham was meant uh, through the church and through the combination of all the families of the earth and that blessing that was given uh, to Abraham and to his seed, David, uh, and, and the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, who God, who came in the flesh and took upon himself humanity and, and lived as a humble servant, was given uh, the kingdom was given the kingdom of God. The purpose and the plan of God was unfolding, unfolding through Him. And so faith, not circumcision, or faith plus circumcision, justified. Uh, uh, was, it was taught as a work for justification by the Judaizers in Paul's day. There were many that were coming in and saying, well, sure, you've trusted in Christ, but you need to be circumcised. You need to be uh, uh, circumcised in order to follow after Jesus Christ in order to, and it was a work. And the Apostle Paul is making a point that, that Abraham was justified by faith. He wasn't justified by the work of circumcision. And those that follow after Abraham are justified not by faith plus circumcision, plus a work. Uh, Galatians 5, 6 has this to say, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. This is the point of the Apostle Paul. The just shall live by faith. Okay, And then Abraham's faith was imputed to him as righteousness. Abraham, and he believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. In Genesis 15:6, then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned to him, or he imputed to him as righteousness, that faith that the Abraham expressed in God in simply doing what? Believing the spoken word of God. So faith is the integrity of God's spoken word, believed on trusted in, rested upon, acknowledged and received as reality, as truth, as fact, 
as authoritative. Faith in the integrity of God's spoken word was what made Abraham the father of faith. He was the one that heard what God said. I'm going to give you this land to to, uh, the inheritance of your children. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now this was quite a huge thing when we think and consider Abraham. Because Abraham didn't have any children. And he was old. He was was older as these things were given. And as we watch the, the process of the book of Genesis, the faith of Abraham and how it's challenged and tested uh, we see a number of things, a number of factors that, that would say this is not probable that this is going to happen, what God said. This is not something that, that, uh, that from the human perspective is going to take place. Uh, but, but what was the, the essence and the issue of faith that Abraham expressed there? He simply trusted. He believed what God said. He believed and trusted in the integrity of God. He believed in the mercy of God and in the graciousness of God to give something that from the human perspective seemed impossible. Later on in this chapter it says that Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. So the question then becomes for us today, do we against hope believe in hope? Do we take the word of God uh, at face value as the authority that it should have and should be in receiving God's word, his direction, his will. Jesus said, uh, <clears throat> my meat is to do the will of my Father. Uh, and he demonstrated to us uh, the, the very nature of faith. It's trust in the integrity of the person that has spoken the word to you. Is God and is his integrity as such that you can believe what he says and trust in his word? And this is a huge thing for us to to lay hold of because the culture is going to challenge what God says to us. Uh, the, the, The challenge is going to come where there's going to be a conflict by by what seems real and what we, we know from the human perspective and what God's word says. And the question then becomes, is God, is his integrity good? That's, that's the essence, that's the nature of, of faith. Uh, and it's the question that we have to ask ourselves with many things in life, with many challenges that we have as believers in regard to, to where our country and our culture is moving and how we're living. Are we going to live by faith, trusting in the Word of God, believing in God's Word? Or are we going to, uh, to, to, to bow uh, to the culture, to bow to, to the flesh, to bow to works, to bow to our own um, prescription for how life should be, for, for man's lordship and, and guidance uh, through the troubled times? Or do we rely upon the truth and the principle and the word of God? This is the question for the believer. Are you the righteous who live by faith? But faith is in the integrity of God's spoken word to us. And God's spoken word is given and recorded in the scripture because God was able to do that. 
doesn't matter that men prescribed, wrote down these things. What matters is that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And God, who is sovereign and all-powerful, gave to us the words of life, the words that are necessary that we might order our steps in accordance with His Word, that His Word might be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and that we might know the reality from God's perspective, from that perspective which comes from above. Isn't that awesome? Aren't we blessed? And isn't it great to know that these things are where are the firm foundation? Jesus said, He that hears my words and, and, and believes in them, um, he will be like the man who built his house upon the rock. Firm foundation for reality, for life, for etern- life eternal. That's the gift that Jesus has given to us through His propitiation in His blood on the cross of Calvary. He gave it to us. It's a free gift. For the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you know the value? Does it weigh heavily upon you and heavy enough to direct and guide our steps that we might be those that live by faith and walk by the truth of God's Word. That's the big question for each one of us. And I want to direct it to you personally. How are you in regard to the authority, to the power, to the integrity of God's spoken Word to you this morning? If, if, you're, uh, if you're wavering, if you're wavering in regard to, to what God has spoken I pray that God would direct you, uh, that He would do that work in your heart, and that there would be a submission in your heart and in your life to this is what God's Word says. This is the course. This is the direction that I take. This is what I'm going to do. This is, this is where I'm going to go because God is trustworthy. And that's the bottom line. I'm living by faith. Living the Christian life. So there's another point here, and we find it in verse uh, 10. How then was it credited that while he was circumcised or when he was uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. So the point is that Abraham's entrance into that righteousness, to that which was credited to him, imputed to him, Righteousness was imputed to Abraham before he was circumcised. That's a huge thing, the Apostle Paul thinks. And he gives uh, to those Jewish people and those that would be hearing uh, what, what God has to say. It was imputed to Abraham before he was circumcised. It was imputed not by Abraham's works or Abraham's righteousness. Now he makes that point, doesn't he, in those beginning verses in, in chapter 1 where he says, first Abraham, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. His faith was reckoned to him. And then David says, and David is speaking, you know, in the Jewish mindset, uh, Abraham walked in accordance with the law. And there was, there was righteousness that was attributed to Abraham because of what he did. But with, in David's case, and in the, the case where 
He, in repentance, is saying, Blessed is the man into whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. David was acknowledging, I broke the law. I did not live up to the standard of the law. I did not have righteousness that could be imputed to me, uh, that could be given to me because of my conduct. I broke the law. And so Paul is making it very clear that in the Old Testament that the believers there lived by faith and not by their works. Uh, So it's, it's made crystal clear in these verses that not only was David who definitely committed what would be sin and broke the, the law and the prescription of the law and was guilty of the penalty that was required by the law, <clears throat> but he's making the point that Abraham indeed uh, was not righteous in himself either, that neither of them received righteousness <coughs> by works, but both of them and those in the Old Testament received righteousness that was imputed by faith. So in God's forbearance, he passed over their sins and, and they received righteousness, received justification because of their faith in God's mercies and in the, the character and person of God. So let's go to verse 11 then. <clears throat> For, and he received the sign of circumcision. Okay, so he's making a point, and I want to put that emphasis. The sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. Notice the the point that Paul's making, that Paul says that God very clearly records in the Old Testament that Abraham received the sign of circumcision after that it took place in Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him, it was credited to him, it was accounted to him, it was marked in the books for Abraham as righteousness. Freely, given by God and by God's grace to Abraham. And so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So the Gentiles, what's Paul saying here? The Gentiles don't need to be circumcised. They enter into the blessing of Abraham as Abraham did without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. So Paul is making a huge argument here that the Judaizers and those that are coming from Israel and saying, hey, you've got to be circumcised. You have to follow after the law and do these things uh, for justification. Paul is saying, no, this is not true. So Abraham was justified by faith long before he was circumcised. And we find Uh, This point, faith in the Messiah identifies us as Abraham's children. That's the big point. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified freely by the propitiation of His blood through faith. Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God, is imputed. It's a gift that God has given through Jesus Christ. 
And it's a wonderful thing because this gift transforms the heart. It causes and builds within us uh, that, that new creation. Therefore, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But let me say to you this morning that it must be personal. It can't be by any type of work, by coming to church, by, being, by growing up in a family, by, uh, by living by certain standards, by any human work, that righteousness cannot be, that as righteousness cannot be imputed to you in such a way that you can be reconciled to God, redeemed from your sins, and reconciled to God. Can't be done. It must be a personal act upon your part whereby by faith you trust what God has said, what the Apostle Paul is saying in regard to the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. That's the bottom line. That's, our, that's the gospel. And the gospel truth is that you personally must receive this gift. It's offered up freely. But it must be something that one receives. Well, how does one receive that free gift? Other than the fact that they simply go to the Lord Jesus in prayer and, and they go to the Heavenly Father and say, God... I hear your word and I believe what you have said. He that beholds the Son and believes in him has present tense at that point in time that he believes eternal life. And Jesus said, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Jesus Christ promised eternal life to the person that believes by faith. He puts his trust in what Jesus Christ said what he did on the cross of Calvary, on the work of Jesus Christ, and on that work alone, nothing that they do in addition, not plus circumcision, not plus anything that the Judaizers would come in and teach as the gospel. The Apostle Paul makes it crystal clear that the just are justified by God's grace alone through faith, Alone in Jesus Christ, alone. That's the gospel, the good news. And it should be clear in our message when we speak to others. Faith is not walking the aisle. It's not making any type of affirmation or saying, uh, um, uh, see, what, what are some of the songs and some of the things that, that people say and do, but it's simply believing and trusting in Jesus at His Word and going to Him. Uh, that's what we need to do. It needs to be personal. It needs to be uh, receiving that gift from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And He's always, His ear is always there to hear. God will always hear. Uh, and He says, regardless of the depth and the gravity of your sin, that he that puts his trust and faith in, in the Lord God will uh, will be saved, be given eternal life. He will receive eternal life. Because what Jesus Christ did in His propitiation, in His blood, 
on the cross of Calvary was sufficient for the darkness and the dirt and the sorrowness of, of, of the, the deepest, darkest sin that you've committed. Christ paid the full penalty for that sin. And he will make you free, the scripture says, and the Lord Jesus said, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The wages of our sin, that, that he that commits sin is a slave and in bondage to sin, but if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Faith in the Messiah identifies us as Abraham's children. We followed after him in faith. That's the point. It's made in these scriptures, made in God's word. And Jesus Christ said, Who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the one that went to the cross of Calvary. God made he who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That should fill your hearts with joy. It should fill your hearts with the glory of the gospel. It should fill your hearts with the freedom that only Jesus Christ could give to us. The life that only God could give to us. And I pray that we might be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ. And we might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what our prayer should be for God's people. That's what our prayer should be for Grace Bible Church. That's what the Apostle Paul's prayer was for the believers at, in the, uh, the Philippian believers of that day and for other believers. It's given in God's Word that we might be filled with all the fullness of God through Jesus Christ, the eternal life that's been given to us, the freedom from the penalty of our sin, the freedom from the guilt of our sin, the freedom from, for power over that sin in our lives. And we might be made free people to live with a higher standard after the glory and the beauty of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who do you say that I am? Okay, point here, circumcision is a sign of the covenant for our identity. It's clan identification. It had to do with the land that was given to Abraham's offspring. To your offspring I will give the inheritance of this land. So the new covenant, the, 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 the land covenant that was given in Deuteronomy chapter 30 were the offspring, and it was made clear in Genesis 17 that it would be through Sarah, not through uh, Hagar, that, that that inheritance would be given. So we had Sarah having Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. It was passed on to Jacob, who became Israel, who had 12 sons. And that promised land that God showed to Abraham, that he gave to Abraham after Lot had split and left off from him, was that inheritance that was given in a land covenant to his immediate offspring through Jacob, through Israel, and through the 12 tribes. So the land covenant... And the different facets of these land covenant is significant to us. The circumcision is a sign of the land covenant. That's why it's not essential for Gentiles to be circumcised. Because we're not under the land covenant. We're not promised the land that God promised to Abraham and to his, the Jewish offspring that would inhabit the land. 
And the scripture says, God's word says, if God's word is true, which it is, is God's word says that, that it would be Israel's forever. That it would be his offspring forever. That's what the scripture says. And God's word is true. We can rest assured that this will be true. This will be the case. Now I want to make the point here that in Genesis 17.11, circumcision is a sign of the the land covenant for identity, the clan identity. And in Genesis 17.11 it says, And you shall be circumcised in your flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So some years later... Uh, This sign of the covenant was given. Now, what are the signs of the covenant that's given in the New Testament? Jesus Christ said, All authority has been given unto me. Go into all the nations and and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and uh, teaching them all that I have commanded you. That's the the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ gave uh, the the great commission that was given to his apostles as he departed uh, after his crucifixion and resurrection and before his ascension. Jesus Christ gave this commission in the gospel. And in that commission was baptism. And baptism and the Lord's Supper are ordinances that are given. They're a sign of the covenant that is made with the church, with all of those that enter into their relationship with God in the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Baptism is a sign. It is a public expression. And it's essential that we, that we teach and understand this relationship between circumcision and baptism is the same. Because baptism can be turned into a work, and in some Christian communities... Is, is, is done just that. It's turned into a work. That it's necessary to be water baptized in order to be justified, in order to be saved. But the scripture teaches that that would be a work. It would be a work for salvation. Baptism is a sign, and it's a sign that, that every believer should want to do. You're publicly saying that I've been baptized, buried into Christ's death, and raised up to walk in newness of life. I've been born again. I've become a regenerate, a new believer, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the public sign of that, the ordinance of baptism, is a display, a sign of the new covenant and what has taken place with you. You were baptized by God's Spirit into Christ Jesus' death, and God the Father sees you as having died in Christ Jesus your sins propitiated for in that death, and therefore you're raised up to walk in newness of life. And this is what God has imputed to you. It's what He's accounted to you. And the sign of that the covenant in the new covenant is that when you are baptized, and when you go down into that water, you're acknowledging that the Holy Spirit of God baptized you into Christ, death, and that He raised you up to walk in newness of life. He's made you a new creature. You've been regenerate, born again, a new believer by God's grace alone, through God, through your faith in what God has done in Jesus Christ alone and what He did on the cross of Calvary, His work there. 
So it's the sign of the covenant between me and you, the circumcision. Same thing with baptism, and it relates. This truth relates. Secondly here, circumcision is a seal of the covenant. Now let me just say, I, I do want to say, yeah. Uh, yes, circumcision is a seal of the covenant to authenticate. So notice it says, and he received the circumcision, uh, the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith. <clears throat> so that, that seal is, is an acknowledgement that, that this is authentic. This is the real deal. And, and we can see the significance of this. I think about Moses. Uh, when Moses had children through Zipporah, who was a Midianite. Midianites were uh, those offspring of Keturah through Abraham. And Moses was going back to Egypt to deliver the people, and he had not circumcised his sons. And God... That scripture tells us that God sought to put Moses to death because he had not circumcised his sons. And so uh, Moses uh, was on his deathbed when Zipporah circumcised uh, his sons and God delivered him. But God made the point of the significance of circumcision and the significance of that seal as Moses was going back to the nation of Israel and, and remember, this sign was given to his offspring, and they were going to go into the promised land, and Moses was going to lead them, and God wanted Moses to be circumspect with the law and the things that were taught in the Abrahamic covenant and in the law of Mo, uh, that would be given to Moses on Mount Sinai. So uh, we see these things. Genesis 17:14 says, but... An uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So this sign and seal of the covenant was significant for the Jewish people. It was significant for the Apostle Paul because he was of the tribe of Benjamin. And, and so uh, circumcision and this sign or seal of the covenant was significant. And it was a significant issue that Paul is addressing here. Third point here is that Abraham was justified more than 13 years before his circumcision. We know this from the scripture, right? Because in Genesis 17:24 it says uh, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. This is some significant number of years after that that was given to him when it said, and it was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. So he was reckoned as righteous as being righteous some number of years before, some 13 years before his circumcision. I say 13 years because uh, Abraham um, was, uh, in, in Genesis 16, 16, it says that Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. So he's 86 years old, and we find out she bore Ishmael to him. Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised. Abraham was 99 years old. That's 13 years. And, and what, um, in Abraham, some number of years before, in Genesis 15, 6, and he, then he believed the Lord, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So we know that it was more than 13 years before uh, that Abraham... Uh, was reckoned as righteous before he was circumcised. Okay, So uh, we know that from Scripture. 
Fourth point, Abraham is not the father uh, of the circumcised alone. We find that in the, the final verse here in our passage this morning. Uh, that And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also who also follow in the steps of faith, our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. Father is not the father of the... Abraham is not the father of the circumcised alone. And, and 17.4 it says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. Uh, so, uh, the father of a multitude of nations. We find it that Abraham circumcised um, uh, Hagar's son, Ishmael, um, and there the Arab tribes, tribes came through Ishmael. The Midianite tribes were circumcised through Keturah. All of Abraham's uh, um, <clears throat> offspring through Keturah, through Hagar, all of these persons were circumcised. And he became the father of a multitude of nations as well as a blessing to all the nations of the earth. This was the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham is a father to all who follow in the steps of faith. Okay? So all the nations of the earth, all of those who by faith enter in through Jesus Christ, through the seed that was promised to Abraham, uh, enter in by faith. They follow in his steps. So faith in Jesus Christ alone, the seed of David, the offspring of Abraham, the plan of God and the purpose of God. Galatians Chapter 6, verse 15 says, For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The question becomes the needful question, even for those who go to church, because sometimes it was believing in Jesus plus works. And even as we struggle, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And our very nature is to try to uh, to go back to that works mentality instead of to grace. And the point is that works do not justify us before God. Works do not sanctify us before God. But faith and faith in Christ alone is what, uh, circum- uh, what uh, sanctifies God's people. Faith in God's grace through Christ alone uh, justifies us and brings us into a relationship with God. It redeems us from our sins. Faith in God and Jesus Christ through God alone uh, sanctifies us to remove the guilt of our sin. Faith in Jesus Christ alone gives us power over sin and over our flesh in life. And our biggest challenge as believers is to not permit and allow our flesh to do that work before God, uh, but to do it in the Spirit and by the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Scripture says that, Owe no man anything but to love one another. The very nature of Christ is to be displayed through God's people. We live by a higher law. And a new creation is what is needed for us. So I pray that if there's anyone here who's not trusted in Jesus Christ, you do not have to walk an aisle or raise a hand or make any kind of audible affirmation. 
You need to ask the Lord Jesus Christ for the eternal life that He's given to you and provided for you through His work on the cross of Calvary. It's simply a request that each person must make. For Jesus Christ is that all that who uh, uh, will may come. And uh, if you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened to you. The Lord Jesus Christ has provided that salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and for that which you have given to us this morning. May it take root in our hearts and bear fruit to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ prayed that we might be fruitful unto every good work, that we might be fruitful people, that we might live and walk in a manner pleasing to you and be fruitful unto every good work. He is the vine and we are the branches. Without Him we can do nothing. We pray that we might attach to our Lord Jesus Christ, that the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ might reign in the people of God, and that we might walk in a manner worthy of You, that we might increase in our knowledge of Your will for our lives, and that we may increase in our knowledge of You. Thank You, Lord God, for salvation in Jesus Christ. Now to Him be all the glory and honor and power for in Christ Jesus and in His church throughout all generations forever and ever may glory be given to You through our Lord Jesus Christ and for His glory. We pray and ask these things in His name. Amen.